Hi, I'm Carolyn, and I'm a Jessica slash Lars. I'm Rebecca, and I'm a Francis slash Zoe slash Lars. I'm Teresa, and I'm a Francis slash Tony who thinks she might actually be more of a Heather now. <laughs> and we are Big Little Podcast talking about episode five of Hulu's Nine Perfect Strangers. Carolyn, uh, why don't you tell our listeners what's going on at Tranquillum this week? Sure thing. Okay, so this episode opens with three big what the fuck revelations. <laughs> One is that apparently somebody died at Tranquillium. Two, we get to see part of the shooter's face, of Masha's shooter's face. And three, Zoe's brother's ghost is talking to her. So these smoothies are really stirring up some shit. All right, so we find out that uh, Zach, Zoe's brother, uh, doesn't like, his ghost doesn't like that he, she's been telling people that they weren't close, even though that is clearly her defense mechanism, uh, and they share a heartbreaking interchange. The weirdness of this episode continues to get deeper still, as we then see Masha kissing the arm and talking to the sleeping Delilah. Meanwhile, it's Zoe's 21st birthday in the morning, and her dad... Uh, starts off the day with a song and dance number offering us our new earworm of the day. And uh, meanwhile, fresh smoothies and drugs are, are brewed so that this weirdness can continue. Carmel continues to unravel. At breakfast, uh, she hears her wedding song and stabs the table, and Delilah gently takes away all sharp objects from her. They all start talking about how they're feeling a little weird and had very vivid dreams. Uh, Lars's dream being the most vivid and kind of hilarious in that he dreams that he gave birth with all of them there and that Tony is the father. Uh, I'm beginning to feel like I'm taking drugs at this point watching this show. Francis has a visitor from Canada and it's Mr. Catfish. As this scene plays out between the two of them, we begin to be like, please make this a dream as well. Luckily it is because uh, he is just telling her how bad her books are and that's why he didn't want to be her. But we come to the realization that this is a dream as Frances wakes up face down in her oatmeal uh, and then says one of the best lines in the show that she lost her virginity to a Quaker. <laughs> Frances feels that imaginary Paul is right, that her romance novels are hollow and she has a lovely another heart-to-heart -heart moment with Tony. It looks like they're going to lean in to kiss, but then she runs off to vomit. Uh, meanwhile, Delilah tells Tony to fuck off and then quotes Maya Angelou. So everything seems to be right on track with this protocol. Masha, uh, meanwhile, meets with, uh, meets with Delilah to talk about her telling one of the Tranquilium guests to fuck off. And we learn that, uh, d that Delilah has all this trauma and is allegedly back on her dosage, so hopefully that is the case. <laughs> Delilah uh, also finally confronts her that she thinks that, Masha thinks that she might be the one sending her death threats. And then Delilah also reveals that she would like Masha to stop fucking Yao. Then Masha and Delilah make out. Again, what the fuck is happening? Then Lars and Zoe are back in their scream sauna and we learn that Lars and his longtime boyfriend, who he has broken up over losing, broke up over the fact that Ray, his boyfriend, had wanted children. 
Lars never wanted children because he feels the world is a hard place for children, specifically because he was very bullied as a child for being gay and his father left. Zoe then opens up to him that she saw her brother, Zach. Meanwhile, her parents are being asked to jump off a cliff. Napoleon does it first and then does it alongside his wife, holding hands. They scream as they fall into the water and have share a nice moment. We then see Lars, ha where Lars has been keeping his phone hidden in a very intricate little bamboo hiding place. Then Yao and Delilah have a tantric, weird as you'd expect, sex scene with some sort of possessed, touchless orgasm thing. And cut to Masha receiving her text threat of the day, which is a burned body that says she's next. Meanwhile, Jessica hates the money that she and her husband have. And we learn that they are high school sweethearts and get the feeling that maybe they are on the road to mending themselves. Tony on the road to mending himself is meditating and sees his tragic life flash before his eyes. Francis enters and uh, we learn that Tony missed the birth of his kids because he got high. And then Tony reveals that he's not going to make it to the end of the week, the end of the month. And it, this obviously scares Francis. Meanwhile, speaking of people to be afraid of, Carmel has a freak out after seeing sex in the hot tub and she shares a shockingly tender moment with Lars. Uh, she tells him that she is tired of not feeling okay and he, Lars offers the first sound psychological advice, which he prefaces by saying that he should probably be the camp counselor and after hearing his advice to her and seeing this moment, I actually believe that we'd be better off with Lars being our camp counselor. That night is Zoe's birthday party and uh, it is followed with her father doing more of his singing. He sings the saddest birthday song ever. Everyone is slow dancing to it. Tony and Francis are dancing. Jessica admits that she's standing their budding romance as we all are. And then we close with Masha staring creepily at Zoe and then she goes over to Zoe and says reveals in French whispering to her ear that she knows Zoe is seeing Zach and that she's the one and this cements that this show is on a very weird drug-fueled path the end <laughs> I mean I thought this was a filler episode but after hearing that I realized that a lot of things really happened in this episode <laughs> So I think this week, the only way to do this is to just start by running through everyone's escalating issues. <laughs> so let's start with Carmel. Her violence is escalating. Um, she's using the very nice gold cutlery to stab the table. Um, what do we think the over-under on her severely hurting or killing someone is? <laughs> the beginning of the episode I just said it's pretty high but by the end of the episode I'm like maybe this woman just really needs some aggressive human kindness and mm -hmm. what Lars was able to do for her with just you know giving her a little attention giving her some empathy showing her some physical touch she seemed to be in a better place so I'm hoping that like she's going to turn this around but I don't know anything's possible at this point yeah I agree with Rebecca I was about to say the same exact thing but at the beginning of this episode when she's like stabbing th silverware into a table and had to have sharp objects taken away from her. Uh, at that moment, I was like, she is, this is it. This is the episode where we're finally going to see her come undone. And 
then by the end of the episode, after her interchange with Lars and uh, and and their kind of friendship forming there, I'm beginning to see more hope for her, and I'm feeling like she might be able to step back from that cliff. Yeah, I'm starting to feel like if she hadn't come to Tranquilum House, she would have like ended up on an episode of Snapped. After, like, mm. killing her ex-husband for, like, being late, bringing the kids back or I'd something. I'd watch that. <laughs> yeah. um, on the opposite end of the spectrum, we have Ben and Jessica humping in public um, in that grody, fake hot tub. <laughs> or hot spring, I should say. Which is, you know, good for them. But if you can only stand each other when you're on MDMA, like, is your love real? What Like, do you think this is... And my feeling is, like, of all the people here, they're the least likely to get any lasting benefit out of this. See, I disagree. I think that they actually might be headed to some sort of reconciliation because I get the feeling that they haven't talked in a while. And learning that they were high school mm-hmm. se- high school sweethearts really revealed to me because they're supposed to be what? Like, let's say 30 at, at most? At most, yeah. At but, most, at, but like, so let's say they've been together, let's take it down a couple of years, but they might have, they've been together for like 12 years then. And if you ever, you guys probably know somebody who married somebody they went to high school with, if they are still married, it, it's crazy because <laughs> you, you know, like you change so much in those years. And then on top of that, they like won the lottery and their lives just totally pivoted in ways that you can't even imagine when all of a sudden you get that kind of wealth and uh, so I feel like for the first time they're separate from their wealth. They are kind of being forced to have some conversations. Uh, so I'm hopeful for them. I'm hopeful for Ben and Jessica. I think it's the drugs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, MDMA causes intense feelings of euphoria and physical connection and physical mm-hmm. touch to people, especially if you already have a connection with someone like it just amplifies all of that. But the other thing about MDMA is if you're on a high enough dosage of it, you have a very hard come down. And Mm -hmm. I worry if this is what she's really dosing them with, that this can't last outside of the bubble of Tranquillum. Yeah. And the thing I keep thinking, just with their story in general, is like no one's forcing you to live this way, right? Like even with a lot of money, like no one forced you to buy the Lamborghini. Right. No one forced you to do whatever Jessica's done to her face and like become an Instagram star. Like you could use that money for good. Yeah. They're like scratching their heads. Like, what do we do with this money? Like, I can think of a million things you can do with lottery money. Like, yeah. Like, you give me lottery money. Like, I am. 100% 100% moving to the woods and starting like an animal rescue or something like I'm not, like it's not just going to be sitting around Instagramming my life all day long it's like you don't have to work but you don't have to do nothing either you know <laughs> and if the money is such a burden to them like get rid of it donate it like yeah lord mm-hmm. knows there's a million charities that could use a couple million dollars like yeah speaking of Jessica's face the actress uh Samar we- Weaving Samara mm-hmm. Weaving um, she, I read an interview with her this week that you guys were right. Those are fake teeth. She yeah. does have pronounced teeth, but obviously those are, are, uh, enhanced. And then, um, she, they taped up her face so that it would look like she had had a facelift, which oh. is why her hair is always pulled back. They actually like use tape. And, uh, so she said that while filming this show, the first time that she was in hair and makeup, the cast members, somebody didn't even recognize her and her phone wouldn't open. She had oh, her. Oh, crazy. Yeah. 
<laughs> I thought that that was really interesting, the transformation uh, for her with that. Um, but, yeah, I think that that is... I, I, I'm interested even more now in the journey of these characters because, exactly, they didn't need to be living this life. She clearly has insecurities that have led her to, like, do that to her face. And, uh, you know, the fact that she wants to open Instagram every morning to see how many likes she's getting so that people will tell her she's pretty. And uh, I feel like all of these insecurities are what led them to spend their money the way they are. And maybe this will help them, even though it's the drug-induced thing, I'm hopeful. I, I really like her as a character. And um, I, I this episode, I kind of, uh, I, I, I thought that, I think they're sweet. And I love seeing them, like, fucking in the hot spring, even though that would be the worst fuck ever. I don't know if anyone has ever attempted water sex. It is not as pleasurable as you always want it to be. So I was kind of like, that is definitely drug-induced because nobody, it, you know, you don't make that mistake more than once. Um, I just looked it up. She's also Australian. Why the is, hell yeah. did they not just make this an Australian show that you've got, like, a third of the cast is Australian? Yeah, it's really strange. It's very, very strange. And, like... The more of the the scenery we see, the more I'm like, this is Australia. I know. Like, yeah. Like, why so are you trying weird. to pretend it's not? She's also Hugo Weaving's niece. Who knew? Oh. Who's yeah. Hugo Weaving? Lord Elrond. So my whole Galadriel oh. theory is really holding up. <laughs> that a hundred that makes so much sense though, because they like they look she alike. looks like Elrond because yeah. <laughs> of her weird tape facelift. Her tape facelift. Um <laughs> Okay, so Lars is giving birth to Tony's baby and being nice to Carmel. But he's also hiding a phone, um, which I feel like it must never rain there because otherwise that phone would be destroyed by now. But I'm wondering if he could be sending the text to Masha. I mean, his whole role as a journalist covering Tranquillum, and now that we've also learned somebody has recently died at Tranquillum, mm -hmm. like, makes me think like his role is more than just covering it but like maybe like really writing an expose on mm -hmm. how crazy she really is it's not just like this is her method blah 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 but like this woman straight up murdered someone yeah no yeah i i definitely agree about that but i'm thinking like so the picture that's in the text that masha gets this week's you know death threat is that the goat yes what is okay, that was so the, goat. It's the goat so it's someone and it's the goat post Roast. Playing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, who could be there taking pictures of this? Who's one has access to a phone and no one can see it. And we know that Lars has a iWatch, right? Can yep. you take uh -huh. pictures with an iWatch? I don't know. Yeah. You can? I, I mean, I don't have an iWatch. I have a, like, the Michael Kors smartwatch that connects to my phone. And I can take photos with it crazy yeah so i assume if that can do it i'm assuming an iWatch can too yeah because you, you can't just be taking out your phone to take a picture like even if you had one which most of these people don't so it, it's it would be a lot more obvious i mean i'm not sure the show i'm not sure i believe it's going to make that much sense it also you know what i mean like it's going to be like a someone taking a long lens photo from like <laughs> two miles away or something nonsensical but you know, Teresa, I hadn't thought of Lars as being a suspect mm -hmm. with this, even with the presence of his phone. Mm -hmm. uh, but it actually could make sense, given that he 
I feel like this episode really sets us up to start to like think of him as the nice guy and he's giving sound advice and reaching mm-hmm. out to Carmel and he has this connection with Zoe. So it would kind of be that like, you know, that real twist. Like it would be a real slap in the face if he's this, if he's the bad guy. Because I, I also- feel like especially in this episode, we really feel connected to him and see him as, uh, you know, this great support system. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's a twist. So good call. I'm also wondering, so like we think he's there for an expose, right? But what if it's really, because if that's the case, why would he, why would he bother sending her threats? That right. doesn't make any sense for a reporter to do, but he's calling someone and I thought it was weird that he seems to feel the need to report back to someone. I mean, it's only 10 days. It's not exactly a dangerous assignment. Like, I don't feel like any editor would expect him to be checking in. So is it possible he's working with whoever? And maybe he doesn't even know it, right? Because he he may not know she's getting any death threats. He's Mm. just, you know. Or maybe him being a journalist is actually his cover for being Mm -hmm. someone that was affected by this death. Yeah, that somebody, he's like working for somebody but maybe even unwittingly knowing that he's part of this. Yeah. Yeah, like, so he's working for someone who purports to be an editor or maybe is an editor or whatever, and he's sending pictures, Mm -hmm. being like, look what crazy shit's happening here now, and then... That person's using it. Yeah, and then in turn, that person's using it. Well, our fans are absolutely convinced that the call is coming from inside the house. On mm-hmm. these polls I've been running, not a single person has said that they think it's somebody's from Masha's past or somebody outside of the nine strangers or the staff. And I'm at first I was kind of skeptical of that, but now I'm kind of inclined to believe it because this whole show has been framed as like an insular character study. And it would be, I think, a big letdown if we find out that this was somebody that we don't know yet. I mean, we're halfway through this show at this point, And if they're going to introduce a whole new character and that's your primary antagonist, that feels like a cop out versus revealing some truth about one of the existing guests or one of our staff members feels more in the like David E. Kelly vein. All right. Now that we've possibly just ruined the show for everybody. (laughs) um, Let's talk about the Marconis who seem frankly, like they're having one hell of a turnaround. Yeah. Though I could not with Napoleon singing this episode. I'm about to turn around away from Napoleon. I think Heather and Zoe need to just, (laughs) move on from this loon but it was sweet and i think that they are turning a corner but i mean the zack of it all is is very interesting because very interesting psilocybin simply cannot create a hallucination that vivid i have to share that uh i had a great aunt who i was very very close with she was essentially like a grandmother to me because i grew up without grandmothers really and she passed away this is a while ago now like eight nine years and um shortly after she passed away one night I woke up in the middle of the night to get like water and I came back to my bedroom and she was there and I had a whole conversation with her with like a ghost and I am not crazy Mm -hmm. I know I know so I I watched this and I was like oh no This happened to me. So anyway, I mean, long story short, like I felt like she, I I think like for me, it was like a closure thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And 
there was like a whole interesting twist where she was very sick and like living with uh, at-home care. She was dying of cancer and had at-home care and she didn't trust the at-home care person and had hid, she hid like jewelry and some other things in her house. And did and, and her ghost did tell me this when I spoke to her ghost that night. And it turned out, I did find out where the, I, there was like jewelry she hid um, when they went to clean out the house and I knew where it was. So inexplicably... I feel I, I have had this happen. Um, this is like the storyline for A Haunting in Connecticut Part 5 or something. <laughs> Connecticut like, is so haunted. <laughs> it's just more evidence. Yeah. Um, a very bizarre thing. So uh, when this happened, I, I was like, yeah, Zoe girl, I feel ya. Um, but I, I, so I was like okay with Zach popping up because like, you know, they're, drinking these smoothies it's his 21st birthday like emotions would be high that seemed like plausible but then at the end of the episode when Masha that whole thing shakes down with Masha like going over to her and saying that and saying like I know you see him I was like oh fuck this is this is some fucked up thing well you've kind of like jumped a, a little forward because I the other thing here is that that I wanted to talk about was that Francis and Zoe are really both hallucinating. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But Francis is doing it while face down in her oatmeal. <laughs> yeah. And so it's not quite the same. And so for whatever reason, Masha only seems to recognize or care about Zoe's hallucination. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she is, we understand that she is now the key to some weird plan that Masha's got going on and, I'm just wondering what the hell it is. I wonder if we're going to go almost like into a supernatural realm because if it's like, yeah. I was thinking my first thought was there are other drugs involved, like whether she's dosing mm-hmm. them with acid or DMT or something that can really cause crazy hallucinations. But I don't have any experience with any of these harder drugs, but I do know that like you have feelings that indicate that if you're hallucinating that vividly, you'd also know that you're tripping. Like, there's no way you just have a trip that subtle where it's just one hallucination that is mm-hmm. for a very short mm-hmm. amount of time and it just so happens to be your brother and there's nothing weird about it. It seems exactly like he appeared to you in real life. That, to me, doesn't feel like something a drug could do with that level of realism. So I wonder if this whole idea of a key or something, like, that's the whole point of Tranquilum. There's some sort of, like, supernatural element she's trying to access. Rebecca, I was totally, at the end of this episode, that's what I found myself doing was like going through all the possibilities of where this is going in a supernatural sense. Again, not having read the book, I now am like convinced that uh, we're going to be going down some weird like, you know, breaking down the dimensions into like other worlds kind of place with this. So... (laughs) I had a different reaction to this, which is I started thinking about like this idea that Lars suggested several times that this group was specifically chosen for Mm. certain characteristics. And, um, and so I was trying to think about like, what are those characteristics? And I think part of that is like we talked about last week where if the psilocybin is just enhancing what's already there, then you know, Masha may have picked people for all these different issues that they're mm. having, right? There's some people who are grieving. There's, there's substance abuse problems. There's self-esteem problems. There's relationship problems. I'm not even sure what you would call Francis's issues, really. Um, you know, and so she's tried to find a mix of 
the right people. But now I'm wondering if it had something else to, like, what else could she have been looking for that she is apparently finding in Zoe? Which is, like, is, was she looking for someone with some who may have some sort of, like, underlying, like, medium qualities? Right, right. Or, or an underlying, underlying mental, serious mental illness that she could, like... Yeah create havoc with with these yeah you know? i thought that too like it was it she's suffering from visual hallucinations and this is just amplified trent Quilms mm-hmm. amplified that and then it makes me think you know they're twins we still don't really understand what why zach killed himself like was there mm-hmm. something strange with their twin connection it's all very it's left me feeling very unmoored with the show because i really felt it was so grounded in realism especially the way they've handled the drugs so far has been so realistic and not at all... You know, you see drugs portrayed in the media in all sorts of crazy ways, especially psilocybin. And I think this was a really accurate portrayal of it, so I'd be really surprised if it's just like, oh, this is another drug we used, and that's what caused it. I feel like there's got to be something deeper here, specifically with Zoe. Well, it's interesting because you also... Like, there's also the Francis of it all, which is like, why is this lady passed out in her oatmeal? What's happening? Like... Why, you know, it might make sense if it was, like, Samara Weaving or something who probably weighs 45 pounds and, like, uh-huh. her dosage could be way off or something. Or Zoe, even. But, you know, Melissa McCarthy is a full-grown woman who isn't on the, you know, tiny side of the spectrum. And so, like, she's the one being overdosed. It doesn't, it doesn't quite make sense to me that it's just you know, a little too much psilocybin. It feels like there's something else going on. Now. And why just those two that are having right. these visual hallucinations? And again, mm-hmm. these are not like typical drug hallucinations. These are hallucinations of one person that's mm-hmm. meaningful to these people emotionally, that's fully rendered, that's speaking in their normal voice. It's not saying anything insane. That's saying things that, you know, you could imagine these characters. We don't know catfish and zach very well but they they weren't saying outlandish crazy things it wasn't like telling mm-hmm. you like the little elf people are here to send you off into the woods it was like a very practical logical conversation that both of these people had so like i don't i just can't imagine that drugs are responsible for this but the francis of it all does make me kind of think maybe it is because it is followed by her passing out we don't see that same reaction with zoe Zoe then goes and has a very coherent conversation with her mother, followed by this, like, horrifying song by her father. It's not like she's out of it or loopy. And Frances was very clearly loopy. She shows up at the Uh breakfast table. Her Mm -hmm. makeup is smeared. It's the most unkempt we've seen her. This is a woman who's been, like, crushing the style game since day one. She -hmm. looks like she just... Into all those flowy dresses. Ugh, Uh everything she wears is fire. But, like, this was, like, looks like a tracksuit she'd pulled out with a scarf that didn't match. Her makeup's all smudged. Her hair's disheveled. So to me, that seems far more like someone that is suffering from some sort of like overdose situation mm-hmm. versus Zoe, which very much felt like I honestly, when she first started having that conversation with Zach, Zach thought Zach was still alive and had like shown up at Tranquillum. Like I yeah, thought that's I, where this was going. So I think that the key to all of this is at the end when Masha says it's you yeah. to her. It means that Masha knew one of these people was going to be the key mm-hmm. and she's been waiting, hanging back and watching to see who it's going to be. Right. But the key uh, to what? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. The, the, it, the Gozer, I don't know. But like some sort of Ghostbusters thing. But I have no idea what it is. But I feel that this to me 
definitely secured that she the, these carefully calculated amounts of drugs that she's slipping these people is they're at different at various points she's trying to trigger something and is waiting for the person who is triggered hmm. and has this capability or has this connection or that something they have something that she needs and we knew that the this group she thought had the thing that she needed yeah the so, thing i like as someone who's read the book uh-huh. i can't figure out where this is going oh great oh god <laughs> yeah. Do you think they strayed from the book? Do you I, think like... Yeah, I think something weird is going to happen that is not in the book. And I don't think necessarily... I think I said before that I thought the sort of climactic event of the book was really weird. So I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. But I think we're going up, we're going into uncharted territories because I, I can't figure out, based on what I know of the book, what this could possibly have to do with anything. Cool. Classic yeah. David E. Kelly taking yeah. a departure to <laughs> lands unknown. Um, so let's get into Masha, Yao, Delilah, whatever in the hell is going on over there. Um, so Delilah asks Masha to stop sleeping with Yao. And her response is, do you think he can deal with that trans or what was it transition or something like that and but then she also asked delilah are you ready for that and then starts making out with her which seems to me like well one of you has to sleep with me so if it's not him it's gonna be you is like what is going on there that's what i got out of that too i was like what the fuck is this deal they have here Mm -hmm. i got the vibe that they had been having an affair for a lot longer and her affair with Yao is to cover up Masha's affair with Yao is to cover up Masha's affair with Delilah. I did wonder that because she's mm. like, he's never known. He never will know. Right. Which implies that I yeah. thought maybe something had gone on previously and that it had stopped. Yep. But then I also wondered if like the jealousy is actually not about Yao. It's about, it's about Masha as in like, she's jealous that Yao gets to sleep with Masha, not that Masha gets to sleep with Yao. Right, right. Oh. Yeah. Right. No, I think that's yeah, more yeah, what yeah, it yeah. is. No, that's, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I also just wonder why don't they just have a three-way? Good question. It doesn't seem like these people are very close-minded about such things. Right. It just seems like logical. Like, why Why don't we just all have a three-way? Or just and, be in a throuple. But that's why I think yeah, that... Yeah, like, why don't we throuple up and just, you know, let bygones be bygones? They can all do their, like, tantric Reiki sex together. The Reiki sex. I can't... What I, was that? I did not like that. I was very <laughs> uncomfortable. No. It, like... That was, I think the weirdest one of the weirdest sex scenes i've ever watched have either of you ever actually had reiki done hell no uh so like kind of like i for a while was going to this like massage therapist who incorporated some of it Mm -hmm. and uh yeah i i was not into it i was like nah i just need you to like get into these like overworked muscles and like go in deep i don't need you to like lay healing hands above me yeah it always has felt very like pray pray on you like healing Mm -hmm. hands vibe which sets off all my alarm bells and i don't do well with like meditative stuff generally so i had a friend who is literally a doctor now and she was super into it for a while and i was like this just sounds like snake oil to me i mean i would 
generally I agree I can't understand what it's doing but I did have it done once for free at like a charity event where they had like a Reiki tent or something mm-hmm. and I was like yeah why not what else am I doing and there is this very I found there to be this very odd relaxing feeling about it and part of it is probably just you're laying there it's basically like shavasana and yoga mm-hmm. or something yeah. and you're just relaxing Aww. but there's also that like you know, like when you're a kid and like your brother or something is like, I'm not touching you. And there, yeah. but it's like, you can you feel, can feel that. And yeah. you still, and you, I definitely felt that during the Reiki. It's, it's never been, it was never cool enough to like go back for it. But I mean, if you're constantly on like smoothie drugs, I could see how yeah. weird Reiki sex would happen. Yeah. Yeah, if you're like, you know, have a low grade microdose experience going on, like I might mm-hmm. understand it more. But I also just the I don't like touching to begin with. And mm-hmm. the idea of like touching but not like just that like hovering sensation makes me deeply Ugh. uncomfortable. Like, yeah, the, this summer, my partner, Stephen came up behind me when I was doing dishes early in the morning and I didn't hear him. And he got like right behind me and I turned around and I punched him. <laughs> I just, oh, my God. <laughs> I literally thought it was a home invader and I just suddenly all of a sudden got the feeling of someone being right behind me and I and I felt really bad after but I was like what did you think was going to happen here my guy I'm like an enormously paranoid person you were Mm -hmm. able to sneak up behind me so close that you were literally centimeters away from me like this is this is what you get. I felt bad. Oh my gosh, that's so funny because like Alex jokes that he wants to put like a cat bell on me because he often will wear his like earbuds around the house like he's cleaning or doing something. So he like, you know, they cancel noise and I tend to like walk pretty quietly apparently. So I just like sidle up to him and he'll turn around and he is threatened. He's like, you have to be careful. I will just punch you. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so like I try to like stomp around like a Clydesdale now to let him know of my presence (laughs) for everyone's safety. Um, but yeah, the touching, the, like, that sex scene where it looked like it was this, like, manipulative, like, like, act of possession where it was, like, moving her body up while, like, moving his hands up and not touching her. Yeah, you know what it looked like was, like, a magician who's pretending to levitate someone? Yeah. It looked like the hand movements they would make. Yeah. What a fucking awkward, I would love to hear (laughs) what it was like for those actors filming that sex scene. Very bizarre. Yeah. I mean, they, you know what would be a really great, like, cameo in this is, like, Sting. <laughs> like, he can show up and, like, be the tantric sex, you know. I like, would love that. Day yeah. visitor who teaches, like, all the couples how, how to get it on. But the other thing I'm like, like, why does it have to be Yao and, like, because now I'm just like, okay, so it's, like, working here part of sleeping with her or is it just or like is part is part of working there sleeping with Masha or is like is it something specific about Yao and Delilah like in their relationship with her because Glory seems absolutely like smitten by by Masha yet poor Glory can't get any yeah justice for Glory where's her tantric sex I know (laughs) I know I don't know the the sexual relationships here have my head spinning like it doesn't and and maybe this is the point is it's all just sort of open but then why the whole secrecy around Yao like and and what is the point Mm -hmm. of having Yao involved at all if it's Delilah's using Yao to cover up her relationship with Masha like I don't understand why they don't just cut poor Yao loose 
and being a, a couple. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's all very confusing and strange. Yeah, the whole thing is very, I mean, it's it's sliding into culty territory, right? Like, this is what cults do. Like, there's a leader who has sex with everybody, yep. and they, usually it's a man. Uh-huh. Keith Raniere, we're looking at you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, um, but she's not having sex with everybody. It's just these two, which, or as far as we know, anyway, it's, I don't know. Yeah, I don't have answers. Yeah. 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 Poor Yao. I'm starting to just feel bad for Yao because I feel Mm -hmm. like he's increasingly just smitten with both these women and these women are just like, uh, not really. (laughs) Yeah. And apparently he doesn't even get to have actual sex with Delilah. (laughs) (laughs) It's, he just gets to like reiki her into orgasm for some reason. Yeah. No. I, I I don't know. I'm hoping all of that is all kind of like a red herring to other issues going on. Well, I do think that David E. Kelly's like desire to have red herrings often creates these like B and C plots that are just less compelling than the main things mm-hmm. that are going on. And I feel that with these flashbacks with Masha Shooter, like we we all know mm-hmm. a mile away, this is not the person who shot her is probably not going to be the person that's threatening her, mm-hmm. unless we're getting another undoing situation where he just this you know it's an Occam's razor kind of thing but I, I don't know did you guys pick up on this time we get the face of the shooter and it yeah, definitely and looks I, like a person of color but not necessarily Delilah uh I picked yeah, up that, on and his the eye his his eye or her eye but I think looks it's like a, a white walker eye like it was yeah very odd. yeah that also made me think we're dealing with like some sort of supernatural element here or something that we... Or a hallucination. Uh-huh. Like, right, this is a flashback and she seems to be... Ha- that's combined with like other a stuff. A dream, yeah. Yeah, and so, okay, she's seeing that eye, but that may not be what that person's eye actually looked like. Right. Right. And it also... The way... Because I went back and looked at it again because last week I posited that it might have been Delilah that shot her in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted a kind of second look at that face <laughs> and I don't know that it's Delilah, but however, looking like the way they set up the scene, it's like she is, you know, they're performing CPR on the guy who's dying in the yoga tent or whatever. Mm-hmm. She looks up at Delilah's face and then that triggers the shooting flashback, the shooting mm. flashback. Yeah. And so... And But then what seems to come out of that is Masha saying, you know, I haven't acknowledged the trauma that you saw when that man died, and I'm sorry if I've neglected you, and yada, yada, yada. It, do- it doesn't go back to what I thought it was going to go back to, which is, oh, you shot me. But she did right. also have a thro- kind of a throwaway line saying you've made so much progress or something like that uh-huh. since mm-hmm. coming here, which made me go back to your original theory that Delilah did shoot her and Masha brought her in as like, a, look how woke I am. I've brought my shooter in to work for me and that's how much my method works. Mm-hmm. Kind of I thing. still don't think it was Delilah. I somehow feel like the fact that they're that eye, that like white eye, I think they're, that that has something to do with something. I Delilah, maybe, I, I don't know. It's a super far-fetched thing to say that somehow Delilah I think Delilah is connected to her past somehow, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Like her, right? Like, I think maybe Delilah was, maybe Delilah was related to the shooter or something that Delilah was involved with led to her shooting. Yeah, or is it possible now that we're talking about that there's this possibly very long-term affair that they've been having 
could it have even preceded been Delilah's husband or something or boyfriend? Well, or that like, yeah, that Delilah shot her out of jealousy mm. way back then. I don't know. I don't know. We're, we're going off the deep end with some theories here. Yeah. No, I was thinking that maybe the shooter was Delilah's husband or boyfriend and because mm-hmm. she and Delilah were having an, having an affair or a relationship. You know what What keeps throwing me off is, and I mean, maybe it's unfair because Nicole T- Kidman is so tall, but the shooter looks very small, which is why I keep coming back to Delilah and because it just looks like a woman to me. Mm. It's yeah. a woman or like a teenage boy or something. It's it just, the person looks very small. That That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm, I would not shut the door on that being being so. I think you're correct in that. I definitely think Delilah is somehow connected to the past. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, again, I don't want you to spoil the book, but is, is Delilah is a character in the book, correct? Delilah is a character in the book, the, but I don't think any, I mean, Yao is probably, of all the um, sort of people who work there, Yao is probably the biggest um, presence in the book. Um, but a lot of the, because there is like a threat storyline going on with Masha in the book, but I honestly don't remember how that resolves itself. And I don't know. I don't remember if it has anything to do with Delilah or not. I, but the other thing is that, so the other thing, the major difference that they've made a departure here is that in the book, Masha was not shot. Oh, interesting. Mm. She did have like a life or death experience, and um, Yao was the um, the EMT who saves her life, basically. But she wasn't shot, so I yeah, it's it's interesting. It's, it's definitely interesting. going somewhere different because. All right. Yeah. I don't know if this is just on my mind because I just learned that Joe Rogan has COVID. <laughs> but he's taking ivermectin and it's to, um, among yeah. everything else he found in his drugstore cabinet um oh my god including monoclonal I antibodies can't. which will actually help him and he'll give everything else the credit i cannot yeah. deal with any of that but he's always going on about dmt which is this drug that mirrors near-death experiences and this lab in switzerland just came out saying that that sounds horrible yeah yeah it's like <laughs> I actually just last night after watching this episode was like, is this where they're going with this? Is this going to be a whole like connection between DMT and near-death experiences? And that's how she landed on this because she keeps like the protocol keeps escalating and it's not just psilocybin and it's not just, you know, microdosing. Like she's implied mm-hmm. several times she's increasing the dosage. So I'm wondering if it's building towards DMT and that's what they're dosing. But I still don't think like from what I read yesterday, and I was reading specifically a, a clinical trial that happened in London where it was like a woman in a lab setting who was given DMT. And mm-hmm. it seems like it's way, way more intense than either of these hallucinations. But the near-death experience thing specifically is where I started thinking this way because that's what they're calling. They call it like the God particle or the death particle or something because it is supposed to mirror that flood of chemicals you get when you're in a near-death experience. Wow. That just sounds terrible. Yeah, I know. Does not sound like a fun recreational day in the park, but. But, you know, she has kind of put them into that death therapy thing where they dug their own graves and laid in them. So that actually, I'm intrigued by that, that, by that theory. I could see that being a part of this and uh, that could somehow tie into her interest in knowing 
that Zoe is seeing a ghost mm-hmm. as part of the hallucinations. Uh, it's interesting. It's interesting to uh, to think that it could be tied into that. Also, I would never want to take that drug. I am so yeah, all set. Yeah, sounds horrifying. Yeah. But Joe Rogan loves it, so he can take well, that along with Ivermectin. Yeah. I don't think I don't think Joe Rogan and I have anything in common. No. Like I don't think any of us have anything in common with Joe no. Rogan. Joe Rogan looks like a swollen tick of a human being and <laughs> people are for some reason taking medical uh, advice from him. He's Yeah. Oh my god. I of all the people for like to become this weird podcast star, I I cannot understand the Joe Rogan obsession. I mean, and he is really the OG podcast star. Like, podcasts were around, but he's the one that really made it so everyone and their mother was going out and starting a podcast. Like He he is. We I guess we have to give him credit for that, but uh, yikes. Just yikes. I mean, I prefer Mark Maron. Oh, yeah. Like, he's, if I'm going to yeah. give credit okay. to an OG yes, yes. podcaster, I'm going with Mark Maron. Let's go with Mark Maron. That's much he's better. He's not yeah, a crazy fair. person who Absolutely. Like, spreads... Like misinformation harmful misinformation yeah but um he's also just not a douche joe rogan seems like the biggest douche that has ever existed i don't know my god yeah i can't stand him also can we talk about let's let's just keep talking about joe rogan for no reason for a minute like did you see that he's also taking antibiotics and I'm i like, i cannot he was taking like a Z pack and stuff. I'm like, do you not even yeah. understand like the basic science between what this what COVID is? Like, are you that I know. thick? He is a hundred percent creating some sort of super bug within himself as we speak, thanks to all the stuff he's on. So dumb. Yeah. Also, just full stop. If something is uh, designed to treat horses, please don't take it. Like, should just be a rule of thumb. We really shouldn't have to say it, but like, just isn't that don't... also ketamine? Isn't yes, ketamine a horse tranquilizer. Yeah, I saw a meme yesterday that was like radical left shaking hands with the radical right, and it was like taking drugs that are meant for horses with ketamine and ivermectin. <laughs> yes. I was oh like, my oh gosh. no, it is a little bit true. <laughs> I mean, the the radical left and the radical right are completely on the same plane. They just like have different flags different sides of the <laughs> same coin <laughs> yeah like there's um what's his name alex jones who's been Oof. like pitching um colloidal silver for years like if you went to Infowars for a long time that was like the major ad you got i cannot and i have an uncle who um well really the entire like paternal side of my family tree would 100 percent be at tranquilum like taking all the drugs and refusing <laughs> real huh. medical help. And like, and one of my uncles once was talking to me about colloidal silver, silver and I was just like, oh, and he is like, he is like a lefty, right? Yeah. Like they, mm. they just come around to meet each other at some point. Yeah. Like they, yeah. They just, the, like, the snake eats its tail after a while. Yeah. <laughs> they all want to live off grid yep. and like not, and don't trust the man. They just do it for different reasons under different flags. Wow. And that's our uh, political soapbox of the yeah. day. You didn't come here for this, but you're getting it anyways. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So is Masha the real deal or is she crazy? Carolyn? Um, yeah, she's still, she's still fucking crazy. Definitely <laughs> you paused crazy. there. I thought you were going to change your but, opinion. Well, no. So here's what I am going to say. At the end of this episode, I realized that she is crazy with a very intent goal. 
which mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes her less or more crazy or less or more scary. But like for the first time, I'm kind of like seeing where that she has somewhere that she's trying to head with this in a very like, you know, she's on a straight and narrow path for something, mm-hmm. which still makes her crazy. Absolutely. Like she should not be running this place or doing this job in any way. But uh, I'm starting to see some of the, that there's the method to the madness mm. is coming. So that was what the pause was. But absolutely fucking nuts. <laughs> okay. Rebecca? Ah, uh, yeah. Nuts. Uh, I don't know to what degree. Like, Caroline, I don't know if she's more crazy or slightly less, but I would still say this is this is all still feeling very insane. What about you? Yeah. I mean, she's obviously crazy, but this, but, you know, last week I was kind of on board with it. This week I'm like, you're sleeping with all the employees now? Yeah. Like, what, Where like, is the it, HR department? <laughs> yeah. It's very upsetting. I don't, I don't like it. It's veering into cult territory, so I'm out. Um, yeah, I mean, that's actually a really good point. Like, the power imbalance with this sexual relationship does not mm-hmm. sit well with me. Like, this woman very, I don't know, I, the culty thing I get too, but, like, it also feels just, like, like Me Too-esque. Like, this is mm-hmm. not appropriate at all. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, especially, I mean, we don't really know what's going on entirely there yet, but it it, it feels like a quid pro quo. Yeah. Quid, quid uh-huh. pro quo. Like, if you, don't, if you don't sleep with me, then I sleep with Yao. If you yeah. want me to stop sleeping with Yao, then you have to sleep with me. You know, yeah. which is, what? Yeah. No. Yeah. Don't love it. Um, Carolyn, I think you've already chosen your best line, but do you want to? Oh, yeah. The, I, I lost my virginity to a Quaker yeah. when she comes to with her face in an oatmeal bowl just brilliant and 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 her delivery of it nailed it yeah i liked that Uh, that was on my list too rebecca do you have a favorite quote this week um i really liked when carmel was having her freak out and was saying uh she's probably flossing her teeth with his pencil dick right now (laughs) i got a real laugh out of that there was also like i'm not even sure i got the line right but i'm pretty sure that when um Carmel was having her freak out and stabbed the table Mm. um, that Lars said, forks don't lie. (laughs) Like, and I was just like, what? I love it. That's your weird owl take on hips don't lie. Yeah. You didn't know you needed. Forks don't lie. Um, So, Carolyn, if you had to be stuck at a wellness retreat with one of these people, who would it be? Well, I guess based on this week, uh, I mean, Lars is, like, kind of being this, like, champion Mr. Sensitivity and, like, connecting with everyone. But, like I said, I mean, I don't know if we can really trust him. But he does seem like he'd be nice to be there with because he's not totally, like, bought into it, but is, like, a nice support system and mm-hmm. he seems easy to talk to. And so I guess Lars, but also, like, on that same page, like, I feel like Tony yeah. would be... You know, so for me, it would be Lars or Tony. I feel like I'd want them to be my wingman for suffering through Tranquilium. Yeah, I'm with you. I was going to say Lars, but I switched to Tony, mostly because Mm -hmm. he was so sweet to Francis. And also, I'm worried about him. Like, his suicidal ideation, like, I'd want to just be around him this week because I think someone needs to keep a close eye on this man. I do not think he's doing well. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up because that was actually, we jumped over that by accident um, when we were 
when we were talking about everybody's issues, but like Tony, I feel like is getting a little bit of short shrift in this episode, yeah. even though mm. we should probably be the most concerned about him at this point. Yeah. And when are they going to kiss? This is killing me, please. I thought it was going to oh happen like four times. I've never felt so like teased in my life by a show. Like, please just let these two make out. I think it would be good for Tony. I think he clearly wants it. It will be certainly good for Francis. Like, let's go. Yeah, this episode was all about the cock tease oh. between that sex scene and that kiss not happening. And the Reiki, and yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it was... Bobby Cannavale is such an interesting actor because I think my first exposure to him was Boardwalk Empire, mm-hmm. where he's, like, one of the worst villains, probably, and he's very scary. But in this in this show and in most of the stuff I've seen him in that is also, like, a Melissa McCarthy joint, he is just... Like, always kind of, like, I think they have to scruff him up a lot to make mm-hmm. him not mm. devastatingly handsome. Yeah. And he still and, is. Yeah. Like, even yeah, gross and, like, sweaty going through withdrawals, I'm still like, mm-hmm, I would. So yeah. it's interesting <laughs> that his name is Tony in this, and because there's something about him. I was a big Sopranos uh, fan. Don't even get me started. I just watched the whole thing, and I, like, sexual attraction now to, like, overweight Italian men is not <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, 100%. I was just about to say, he's giving me Tony Soprano vibes because Tony Soprano was a bad man, and Mm -hmm. but he was also a really good man. And, you know, he was he was suffering. He was conflicted. And Tony, the Tony character in this show definitely gives me those same vibes where it's like. You're attracted to him. You're scared of him. You feel sorry for him. Yeah. You you can see how misunderstood he is and how he's searching and trying to find the balance between right and wrong and his life and what he wants and what he needs. And So when does he so, get his Dr. Melfi session with Masha? Uh, Masha is not, is no Dr. Melfi. Ugh, Do not. I know. <laughs> not even. But, I mean, Tony would, that would benefit from a Dr. Melfi. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, it's so funny because he's definitely giving me those vibes yeah, as a character sure. and I love him for it. I can see that because the thing I was really struck by, especially in that scene with Francis, is just like how warm his face is. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like he, I mean, part of that I think is just, that's Bobby Cannavale's face and his eyes. But like the way he looks at her, like he just, and it's not sexual really. It's just like yeah. with so much love and warmth yeah. in his face that he's really, and like, you get a lot of that from Tony Soprano, too, who is nowhere near as devastatingly handsome as Bobby Cannavale is. But, um, but he, you know, he gets those, like, that smile on his face mm-hmm. when he's, like, kind of joking around with someone or something that is very similar to that look. Yeah, I'm telling you, he's a big Labrador puppy. You mm-hmm. have that, like, <laughs> that same kind of feels with him with that. Um. I think if I had to hang out with one of these people, though, this week, it might be Zoe, because mm. I would be oh. like, is he here? What's yeah. happening? Like, is he here right now? Is he watching us? Is he talking to <laughs> us? <laughs> like, oh, my God. So you'd be like Masha. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know if she's the key to anything. I would just be like, girl, you're on too many drugs. But, um, but I just, one, I think Zoe's a really interesting character anyway that you know she's kind of been in the background a little bit and now we're seeing she also she looks like little baby jane from um she she looks like uh what's her name who plays who plays jane in big little lies what's her name oh shailene woodley oh yeah yeah, they do look like shailene woodley yeah crazy and 
But she's just like, you know, she's been kind of in the background a little bit. We haven't heard too much from her. She's just kind of like a sidekick to Lars and dealing with her parents stuff. And she, I think she's going to become a bigger part of the story now, obviously. And she just seems like she'd be, I mean, I think that's why Lars gravitates to her. She's kind of fun. She's not as sort of negative as a lot of the other people were at the beginning, but she's still kind of skeptical about the whole thing. And, you know, she's choosing to spend her 21st birthday at a wellness retreat with her parents. So she's kind of got to be a sweet kid, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of therapy going on this week, but um, if any, if you had to pick something from this show to do, Carolyn, what would it be? I mean, the cliff jumping, I have done that mm-hmm. and it is really exhilarating jumping off a cliff into water. So I guess that. I mean, or sex in a, in a hot spring, I guess. Although, you know, like I said, that has, that poses complications, but the thought of it is really nice. So yeah, either one of those getting frisky in the water one way or another, I guess would be my choice of therapy for the week. Rebecca, is there anything else to even choose from in this episode? I mean, I guess stabbing a table with a fork isn't really a therapy, but it seems kind of fun and cathartic. Mm. What about you? Well, I had cliff jumping as well because, one, it's the only thing that actually seems like any kind of real therapy in this episode other than the ongoing drugs. Yeah. But we can't just keep talking about that. So, <laughs> And I'm with you, Carolyn. I, When I was young, I enjoyed jumping off of things into the water quite a lot. And no, thank you. And managed to survive it. So, We do have a question yeah. um, from one of our listeners. Oh. Ash- Ashley asked us, what's your ideal smoothie microdosed with? Oh, kind of a good question. I don't know. I mean, I it's I I don't want to say it because it's too easy, but it would probably be psilocybin. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, but I'm also like if I mean, I feel like we've talked about this a lot, but like, you know, the marijuana gummy, like if mm-hmm. you can make me a smoothie out of that, I'd be down because they are the best thing that's ever happened to me because I don't I don't enjoy I've never enjoyed smoking anything yeah so for many years I just didn't even really bother with weed of any kind really yeah and then once edibles started being more and more available I was like oh I am in every time I'm gonna watch a stupid (laughs) stupid funny movie or I have cramps or I need to go to I can't sleep or whatever it's just Uh such a much better option than any of the pharmaceuticals available and we should say a disclaimer we are in a state where it is now legal so police you cannot come Uh for us no (laughs) yeah yeah so for me I mean obviously like I already confessed that I had a full conversation with my completely dead great aunt in my bedroom (laughs) one night so I obviously don't even need a hallucinogenic yeah Carolyn Smoothie does not need to be microdosed with anything yeah if anything I mean I I just would like a smoothie probably that was like a nice like a downer you know Mm. like I Mm -hmm. guess like a pot so you you need like like an indica smoothie you're not a sativa yeah I was going to say, like, a Xanax does the trick. Uh, you I was know, thinking just like, you should get, like, a muscle relaxer, Carolyn, because of all the dancing. Oh, yeah. Like, I feel yeah, like you should yeah. just I, get a nice... I was going to say a Xanax or a Valium, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to just kind of take the edge off and just, you know, I could have a smoothie and just chill the fuck out. Mm-hmm. That would be great. I'd be down for that. Yeah, those muscle relaxers are, I had to take those from the old collarbone. And they were, they yeah. were good stuff. Much better than the actual, like, painkillers, which made you feel terrible. But the muscle relaxers, I'm like, all right, I like that. 
Yeah, yeah. I uh, I have a prescription of Valium to take to fly because mm. I'm a little bit of a nervous flyer, and uh, it it is really lovely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I just I, I I like to just you know pop that Valium, get on the plane, and just pass out, just kind of be in that like twilighty zone on the flight. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I in no way abuse Valium in any other way or time uh, other than that. But if I was gonna drug up a smoothie, let's go with that. <laughs> I'd love to just. Well, one of my old friends once told me that she thought my choice of like my drug of choice would be pills if I was going to have one, and I am like. I get why she would say that, like, because I'm a bit of a control freak and pills seem like the drug of um, control freaks, right? But, mm. um, yeah. But, yeah, no. The, but that, you know, the the DNA, my, my crazy hippie DNA compels me to not trust the pharmaceutical industry. And so I, mm. I can't deal with, like, Valium and Xanax and all of those. I'd rather just take my indica uh, gummy, as Rebecca says. All right, are we ready for recommendations? Sure. Yes. Carolyn, why don't you start? All right. So uh, this week I accidentally got hooked into binge watching all of the show Clickbait on Netflix. Oh, God, I did too. I know. Yeah. So it just like... it really is just bingeable. It's like eight episodes. They're only about like 45 minutes each. And it really does like hook you in because uh, it, it the way the show is designed, how each episode kind of focuses on a different person in the story and like sort of angles it to them, but also follows chronologically within that is a really fascinating writing technique, I thought. Uh you know, because this is the kind of show, I mean, it's been done. It's sort of a, it, you know, it's your classic thriller whodunit. Uh, but it takes you on some good twists and turns and is fun. So, you know, this holiday weekend, if you're looking for something to sit sit back and binge, go with clickbait. It's 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 well it's done. Clickbait. The, the acting. <laughs> it's... Yeah, it is clickbait. Netflix really, really baited me into it. It was exactly what they delivered. Uh, but I'd, I'd recommend it. I, I enjoyed it. Well done. I'll add to that. I didn't love it. But what I really did think was interesting was that it it tackles a bunch of different like cyber issues from, you know, geolocation. And I don't want to say any more risk spoiling it, but it is very much a mystery grounded in our relationship with the Internet and who you present on the Internet as and how you use the Internet, which is kind of an interesting angle for a pretty, you know, straightforward whodunit to take. So that's mm-hmm. not, I think that was like the most redeeming part. Also, it's kind of fun to watch. Well, that's also a spoiler. But Adrian Grenier's in it, and if you've watched Entourage and loathed him, yeah. this is for you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think the acting performances. I'm always in it for like really solid performances, and I think that all of the everyone really delivers. I mean, in the this. person There's who delivered not... was the scorching hot detective. Oh my God! I spent so many. I spent so much time googling him. Yeah. Who? Yeah. Who is it? He's like an unknown. I think he's an Iraqi actor. He's Holy an Iraqi shit! Actor. This man is a snack and a half, and he acts well too. But whew. Yeah. Oh, he's spectacular. I'm trying to pull up. Zoe Kazan was doing too much. The sister. Yeah. 
Yeah, she she's a bit much, but for this it worked for yeah. me because I think her character is supposed to be a bit much. I find she tends to be a bit much overall. Yeah, I, I didn't um, live for her, but it was... I'm trying to pull up this actor's name so that everyone clickbait. can Google him and yeah. soak in his glory. Uh, but yeah, it's a good, it's a perfect like little binge weekend. Phoenix Rye, Ray, Phoenix yeah. Rye. Yeah, he is. Oh man, uh, he is hot. Oh, yeah. Go find him. <laughs> so, Rebecca, is that your um, no <laughs> your recommendation? Okay. Um, mine is a quick one. Um, it's a television show that came out in 2020, and it's called "I May Destroy You," and mm-hmm. it's written and starring Michaela Cole. And it, the premise is a author who's struggling to finish her. I believe it's her second book who is sexually assaulted and it's basically Mm. her trying to figure out who assaulted her and it's actually based on the author and uh starring actors real life sexual assault it's so it's a very similar it's it's based basically on her own true story and it's really powerful uh very compelling funny i know it seems like a really heavy topic but it's very funny at times but also heartbreaking and a really interesting take on sexual assault and picking up the pieces in the wake of sexual assault. It's one of the most interesting pieces I've seen on that obviously very prevalent societal ill, but it's, it's really good. You have to watch it. It's on HBO. Who's in it? I remember hearing about it when it came out, but I didn't watch it. Well, Michaela Cole stars in it. She was in chewing gum, which was her big break. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't actually know really any of the cast. It's kind of an obscure cast. They're all London actors, and I believe some of them are all in school together. And her interviews, just talking about her experience being a black woman in a predominantly white theater Mm -hmm. group is just really, really worth listening to. She's just a fantastic writer and a fantastic actor all around, and I can't wait to see what happens next. And I do think it's been renewed for a second season, which it deserves, because it was just really, really good. Highly recommend now that you say that, like, I can picture, you know, the image on HBO for it, and I had no idea that's what it was about. Yeah. I think I was getting it confused with Euphoria yep. a little bit yep. for some mm. reason. Um, yeah, no, it, it's really good. I think you'll like it. It's, But it's heartbreaking and funny and just a very nuanced picture of assault. So moving on to a much... Um, Lighter? Fluffier recommendation. <laughs> okay, this past weekend, I binge-watched Motel Makeover on Netflix. <laughs> it's a reality show that's basically like real-life Shit's Creek, only instead of the entire Rose family, it's like just Alexis's, and they're running the show. Oh, my God. Fun. <laughs> like, it is. And it it's just these two women who, you know, they bought a rundown motel and renovated it and turned it into a you know hot destination and so they're doing it again and um netflix is following the journey this time and um the motel is kind of a millennial instagram nightmare Uh um it is like just what do you call it millennial millennial pink pink and and that like sage green and that terracotta Mm -hmm. yeah lots of like plants you know geometric (laughs) patterns on the wall yeah and things that are just aggressively ugly but they've styled to make them pretty and like, like classic 
And like when they're when they're designing rooms, they're constantly like, okay, we have to have a mirror here for mirror selfies. And I'm just like, and they're and you see them like trying to explain this to like the construction workers who are working on the project and why they have to have this huge mirror. And they're just like staring blankly at them, like, what what are you talking about? Um, wow, it sounds great. Yeah, I yeah. I also feel like five years from now when the you know the trends shift every i know every one of their motels is going to need a complete and total makeover because (laughs) i know i think this all the time i keep getting on my like instagram discovery page millennials making over houses and it's Mm -hmm. like this is going to be the equivalent of people in the 80s and the 70s putting linoleum on hardwood floors we're all going to look back on this and be like wow press on tile was a bad call like that yeah (laughs) yeah uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's like Coachella at a motel in a tiny Canadian lakeside tourist town. Wow. So if you're in Sold. It, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Now I know what my weekend's going to be filled with. Oh, classic. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, it's very short. I binged it in literally like a morning while I was working on something and just had it on in the background. And then it was all of a sudden like, oh my God, I watched this entire show and I don't know how it happened. But... <laughs> you love to see it. Mm-hmm. All right, so what's this week's sign-off? What what What's our stay sexy and don't get murdered? Yeah, no one has chimed in. I have to run it on the on the polls to get you guys mm-hmm. to actually respond, but you have to give us a sign-off. I don't know. We need it. Mm-hmm. Stay sexy and take more drugs. <laughs> yeah, if we have no yeah. idea how to end this podcast. Should that just be our sign-off? Don't arrest us. <laughs> Everything yeah. we've done is legal. <laughs> yeah. Oh, goodness. Thank you for listening to Big Little Podcast. If you enjoy our show, please consider becoming one of our valued podcast supporters at www.thebiglittlepodcast.com or just leave us a positive review on your favorite podcast platform. Can't get enough of us? Follow us on social media at Big Little Podcast for exclusive content in between new episodes.